Doesn't that just make you want to sway back and forth? That is an amazing song. All right. We're going to put this up right. This is my prop for the day. Um, so first off, just want to say welcome to Farmington Baptist Church. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, I am not the pastor, so do not judge this sermon based off our church. Okay, well, maybe you should, because I am on staff, yeah, so I am part of that. Um, I'm the pastoral assistant, and we're glad to have you here today. Pastor Philip is out of town. He is um, in Daytona, I think, somewhere in Florida. I think he's in Daytona. Um, he's out of town, so he's, he's given the pulpit to me today, um, so I am, I'm blessed to be able to uh, give the message to you guys. Um, so before we get started, <laughs> we had a Nerf war last night. Uh, we had our youth group came, came to our church, and we went down to another church, and we did a Nerf war at that church. It was a blast. No pun intended. It, it was a blast. It was fun. So much fun. Uh, so much fun that us youth leaders got in on the fun, and we got to shoot some kids, some teens, and that was, that was a lot of fun as well. Um, I wish you guys could have seen... Chad Harwell. Now, for you, those of you who don't know Chad Harwell, he's not a teen. He's one of our elders here. He's also a Word of Life missionary. He has two kids, and he was lighting these teens up. I mean, it was awesome. He had his black uh, hoodie sweatshirt on with the hood up, and there's actually one point I was the ref, and I think, <laughs> I think he got shot. I didn't even know he was there. I just heard, oh, man, and I didn't realize it was him. And I'm thinking it's, you know, one of these teens, and I was like, okay, you got shot, you're out. And he goes, yeah, I know. I went, oh, Chad. Oh, man. But that was probably one of the only few times I see, saw him get shot. He was all over the place, uh, just lighting kids up. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, so I decided, you know, I'm, I'm preaching this morning, and if most of you guys know, I've been preaching on uh, the armor of God, and I've gone through the different pieces of the armor. We've covered the belt of truth breastplate of righteousness, uh, we went over the gospel, the shoes of the gospel of peace, and today we're going over the shield of faith. So I, saw, I thought, you know what, I'm going to make me a shield for the Nerf war, and I'm going to use this at the Nerf war, I'm going to use it as my illustration on Sunday. So this shield has been through battle, and some of the other teams, they used it, it's got like duct tape and stuff for the handle, and it's, it's kind of messing up a little bit, but it it, it extinguished all the fiery darts of the evil youth. I'm telling you. It was, it, 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 did, its, it did its job. Um, but no, it, 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 it worked. It worked. It was pretty cool. So, spiritual warfare. Different kind of warfare than nerf battle. Different kind of warfare than actual battle is spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare happens in places that we can't see through avenues that we can't see, through beings that we can't see, but it is so real, and it is so true. And we as Christians need to know how to fight against this spiritual warfare. We need to know how to go into battle on a daily basis in a battle that is raging constantly and how to deal with that. And so today we're going to go over one more piece of the, of the armor, the shield of faith. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm 
And we'll be starting with verse number 10. With the whole armor of God. So yeah, as you're getting there, it was, it was a lot of fun last night. We, we had some fun with those teens. We had a lot of kids there too. I think it was... Um, between the, the two churches combined, I think it was around 36 teens. So that was awesome. They all brought friends. I think some of the friends are actually here this morning. I think I saw them walking around. So that's, that's cool. Um, so yes, so spiritual warfare. Let's begin reading with Ephesians chapter, chapter 6, verse 10. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you so much that we're here today. We thank you so much that, um, that we can be here worshiping you and getting to know you better, being closer with you. God, we thank you for the worship time that we just had uh, Lord, I pray that you would just prepare all of our hearts to receive this message, even mine, um, as you use me as the mouthpiece to, uh, of, of your message and of your word. Um, speak through me, and I let this be your word and not mine. Just my prayer. Amen. So, the shield of faith. Let's, let's do this. I like, I like to do this starting off. Um, the imagery that Paul is using here is the imagery of a Roman soldier. Okay, he was on, Paul was on house arrest during the time of writing Ephesians, and so he was able to see the guards who were guarding him while he was on house arrest, and it was this Roman soldier. Okay, so this is a picture of roughly about what he would look like, and all of his armor and his pieces of armor, and he had this shield that he carried with him. Now, the interesting thing with this shield, and we can go to the next slide and see that, this is actually a picture of one of the oldest and last shields that they were able to find of that day, of the Roman um, foot soldier. Right, it was a common shield. It was called, and let me, a scutum. Okay, I think I'm pronouncing that right, scutum. That's what it was called. It was Latin. Um, it basically, it, it, was, it was made of wood, and it had leather wrapped around it. And what they did is they would dip it in water before they went into battle. It would dip it in water and let it soak up. So that when they were in battle and the enemy shot fiery arrows at them, it would distinguish, it would distinguish the fiery arrows, right? It would extinguish them. And so this is, this is more than likely what Paul was looking at as he was writing about the armor of God. Okay? Now something else interesting is, just in doing some research, I just thought this stuff was cool, so I added it. Um, let's, we can go to the next slide. This is actually a picture of one of the battle formations, and it is called a testudo. All right? That is Latin, and that means tortoise or turtle. All right? I mean, if you look, they all have their shields up, and they're all covering that formation. 
and it looks like a turtle shell, okay? That's pretty cool. I thought that was neat. Um, what they would do is they would go out into battle knowing that the enemy has these fiery arrows that they're going to shoot at them, launching at them, trying to take them out, and they would march forward with their shield in front of them and on top of them to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. And this imagery that Paul is using is the same thing that he uses for spiritual warfare. We have an enemy that wants to destroy us. And his name is the devil, is Satan, and all of his evil demons. And they are coming at us as the church, as the body of Christ, trying to trip us up. Now the thing is, is Jesus has won the war. Jesus has won the war, and we are victorious in him. However, on our journey in life, until we get to the end of our life, until we get to the point of being in heaven, we are still going to face a battle. We're still going to face the things that the devil throws at us. And so Paul says to take up your shield of faith, because this is going to help you to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one, of Satan, and our enemy that's coming at us. Now, <clears throat> so the, the shield that we have, I think this is really interesting. It's not made up of wood and leather like the shield that they had back then, that the Roman foot soldiers had. It's made up of a different material. If you know the verse, uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this, talking about faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Our shield that we carry into battle is made up of hope. Now, hope is one of these things that you know, you know that something good is coming. You hope that something good is coming. You probably right now are hoping that lunchtime comes soon. That way you can get out and get some, get some food and quit listening to me preaching, Right? But the hope that we carry as Christians, it knows that Jesus, one, has already won the war. He has already died on the cross, and he has been the punishment for our sins. And if we trust in him, we will, we will go to heaven with him. Our hope rests in Jesus. We just sang about that. All our hope is in Jesus. The shield of faith that we carry is made up of hope. It is the evidence of things not seen. We've not seen God. We've not seen how he made the universe. We've not seen what he looks like. We've not even seen Jesus Christ who has been here on this earth because we're in a different period. We're in the church age. We're 2,000 years past that age where Jesus came to this, to this earth. So we are not seeing these, these things. So how do we know that, that it's true? So we have faith. We have faith. And we have different evidences, and you go outside and you look around and you try to tell me that that just happened by chance. No. We know that, we know that God has created this world. You look at Scripture and how beautifully it is compiled together and how it has been passed down from generations to generations, and it is one complete Scripture. We know God's hand is working in this. We know that this is real. This is true. But we can't see God. We can't look at God and him say, yeah, I did all this. Yeah, this is how this happened. But we have faith and we have his word that we can trust. 
So part of us following God and our walk with him and our relationship with him is having this hope that what he said is true, what he said is right, and we can place our faith in him and our faith in that. And that is what helps us fight spiritual warfare. Now, I want you to do something with me. Turn to the book of James, and that's where we're going to be camping out for a little bit. The book of James. Um, James, James is an awesome little book. I mean, all of Scripture is awesome. But, but James is just one of those nuggets of just practical, good, good stuff. Um, he was writing to the, the, the 12 tribes in the dispersion. It's when the, the Jews kind of scattered, and he was writing to them. At this, at this point, when he wrote this, they were being persecuted. Um, they were going through lots of persecution, lots of, of um, hardships that they had to just endure and James is writing these things to him, and this one passage that we're going to talk about, um, he's encouraging them to keep going. He's encouraging them to keep walking in the Lord. All right, so let's, let's look at here. James uh, chapter 1, we'll start with verse 2. It says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Okay, now hold it right there. He says to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. I don't know about you, but I don't like trials. I don't like having to go through something that's, that's hard. I like things to go very smooth and easy, and there not to be any conflict, and it just to be good, it's just to be, just to be well. I don't like going through trials. Um, a while back, I had, to, I had to put tires on my car. All right, tires... They're not cheap. They're a little expensive. And that was not something fun for me to have to do. Okay, all right. Well, a few weeks later, I realized that I need struts on my car, too. My struts were going bad. I saw a little bit of leak in, the, uh, in one of the struts. I went, hmm, all right. So that's a little bit more expensive. That's not fun. And then some other things happened. I'm not going to go into detail, but a few other little things happened. I'm like, hmm, man. This is, is not fun. You know, I would, I would consider that to be a little bit of a trial that I'm going through. I didn't enjoy it. Now, that's a very small example of a trial, but I learned a lesson going through that. And actually, a friend of mine had to help teach, uh, taught me, well, I learned it from him, I think. Um, and I actually used him in illustration last time I preached. I'm going to do it again. Matt Louder. You know, an awesome guy. Um, he was telling me about an experience that he had where he was on a trip, and he had to get new tires on his vehicle. He realized his son said, Dad, there's a, there's a slit in the, in the sidewall of your, your wheels. We need to get new tires. He said, well, I really don't want to do that. That's not going to be something fun to have to do. But he did, and he got new ones. And his attitude is what I learned. It's what I should have had. He said, you know, I realized that if that tire had blown when we're out on the highway on this trip, it wouldn't have been a good scenario. God was protecting me by, you know, my son showing me that there's this issue with it and was allowed me to get new, new tires on my vehicle. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, I should be glad that God has provided a way for me to get new tires on my vehicle. And the other things that I had to, to do during that time, and I started thinking about it a little bit different. 
And I thought, wow, you know, maybe this is a trial that God has allowed me to walk through for a certain reason. And those are very small, small um, instances of trials. We see people, they go through trials all the time with death of a loved one, with persecution in their church. Maybe they're in a, in a foreign country and their church is being persecuted. There's so many, many ways that so much, there's so much bigger than just putting tires in your vehicle that we walk through. But God uses all of these times for a greater purpose. Let's read further. It says this in verse 3, talking about count all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God uses trials in your life to test your faith. He uses it to mature your you as a Christian, to bring you closer to him and to rely more on him and to trust in him. He's testing your faith. And when you go through these trials and your faith is tested, it is strengthened. And when you go through these trials and you have to endure and you stand steadfast, your, your faith is strengthened. You know, I think about that and I think about Think about God just taking my shield of faith and he's looking at it and he's inspecting it. And he's, he's saying, you know what, I'm going to allow you to walk through this trial in your life. I'm going to allow you to walk through this hardship and we're going to see how it, how it builds you up. And we're going to see where the weak spots are in your armor. We're going to see where the weak spots are in your shield. And we're going to allow this to strengthen you that much more. And so God is inspecting and he is testing and he is allowing you to walk through these times so that your faith would be strengthened. Um, <clears throat> so that what Paul said, he said, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. So there are circumstances, there are times, there are trials that we have to go through and we're to take up our shield of faith. But now there's another way that we're to use this shield of faith as well. Another circumstance. Let's read further. We're going to skip a few verses. And it's um, in James 1, verse 12. It says this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So if you go through these trials and you stand and you endure, he is going to bless you when you get through the end of that. But let, let's see what this says in 13. But let no one say when he is tempted that I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So another area that we are to use our shield of faith other than trials is through temptation, okay? Now, trials, God allows us to walk through to build our faith. As he's testing, he's inspecting our shield. Temptation, on the other hand, is when Satan is getting a hold of us, when Satan is throwing these fiery darts, when Satan is trying to get us to trip up over our own sinful desires and to fall into sin. 
Now, the thing about that is trials are more external. Temptation is more internal. Temptation comes when there's a lure, there's something that's enticing you, but it's your own sinful desire is what James said. When your own sinful desire conceives and gives birth to sin, the temptations, those lures, are part of the darts that the devil throws at us. Um, thinking about this idea, thinking about this idea of luring, uh, my wife, she, she works at a, at a, at a farm. Uh, she feeds horses uh, a couple times a week. There is a cat there. His name is Smushy. All right, now this cat, Smushy, um, his face is just, it, I don't, he's fine. He didn't get any, nothing was hurt on him. It's just weird looking. His face is just kind of smushed up. So they call him Smushy. Um, the farm that she works on, they, they have horses, they have dogs that have been rescued and cats that have been rescued. And so this cat, Smushy, he likes to, to run around. He's an awesome little cat, just a fun, fun little animal. But at nighttime, he's supposed to go up in the room because he would wander off and get hit by a car or something like that. So one of the jobs that she has is to catch Smushy and put him in, in, the, um, in the room. Sometimes I'll go over and I'll help her feed and, you know, just to have some, have some experience with horses and the cats and dogs and the animals, and it's a lot of fun. So there's one time where I saw Smushy. I was like, oh, I need to get him because he needs to go up. Now, just 30 minutes prior to that, he was all around my legs. I was petting him, and, you know, it was a, a fun little, little experience with me and little Smushy the cat. And the thing with Smushy is he knows when you're coming to get him. He knows when it's time to be put up for the night. I don't understand how cats know this or how animals in general know these things. They don't speak the language that we speak, okay? But they know when you're coming after them to try to capture them and get them. So I'm, you're trying to get Smushy to come over. I'm like, come on, Smushy. Come on, little kitty. And he doesn't have anything to want doesn't want to have anything to do with me. He doesn't care about me. He's not enticed by, by me. I'm not the lure for him. And so I had to be a little bit smarter about this. I was like, okay, this cat, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't want to come over here. I've got to figure out, how can I get him over here? So I find a little piece of straw on the ground. And I take the straw and I kneel down like this and start waving it around on, in the grass. You know, and that kicks in this little instinct that cats have, this little hunter instinct. And he sees that little piece of straw, and he's like, ooh. And he kind of creeps down, and he doesn't, I don't know what they do with their shoulder blades going back and forth, getting ready to pounce. And he sees it, and he jumps on it, he pounces it. And as soon as he jumps on it, I grab him too. Like, I gotcha. I gotcha. I outsmarted the cat. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, I, mm, I, that was pretty good on my, on, on my part. I'm not the smartest, you know, sharpest tool in the toolbox, but I got the cat. That's pretty good. Similarly, that's how temptation works for us. The devil knows what your weakness is. The devil knows where he can tempt you, just a little bit over here. He, he knows where you struggle with sin, and we all have it. We all have a weakness. We all have something that we're more vulnerable to sin with. And things that I struggle with might be a little bit different than you. Things that you struggle with might be a little bit different than someone else, but we all struggle with sin to some extent. And what the devil does is he tempts us and he lures us and he entices us. And he gets our desires working to where, ooh, I think I might, I think I might go in this direction because you know what? 
I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to allow myself to, to fall into temptation and, and, and to sin. And we don't always think that. We, we, don't, we don't go into a situation thinking, I'm going to sin, I'm going to fall. That's where the, the luring and the enticing comes. What helps us with that, where the shield of faith comes in, is this. Is the shield of faith protects us. You use a shield, you use it to protect you from all the darts that are coming at you. You use it to protect you. You use it to put a boundary between you and the enemy. This is what's going to stop it. A way that we do that in our own life and use the shield of faith is simply this. This is one, one way. is we, we, we put up guardrails in our life. If you know that you have an area that you're more susceptible to sin and that is going to be more tempting to you, you put up a guardrail. You say, okay, I'm not going to go in this direction. It might be a place that tempts you. You say, all right, I'm not going to go in that direction. I'm not going to go to that place. It might be an activity that that tempts you. Okay, I'm not going to do this activity. This is wrong. I'm going to put up a guardrail here, and this is going to protect me from falling into sin. It might be... uh, Anything, anything that, that, that you know is going to tempt you and to get you to that, to that point of falling into sin, you put up a guardrail. Now, what a guardrail does is it puts a, a barrier there that if you go up to the guardrail, you're, you're not in sin, you've not crossed the line, but it gives you that distance that you need. Because here's the thing. So we talked about this. God, God brings us through trials in life to test our shield, to test our faith. He allows us to walk through things to build us up and to strengthen us so that when the enemy comes and when the enemy decides to shoot the flaming darts at you, your faith, your shield is strong. So when the temptations come, your shield is strong. You can, you can put it up, but you don't go looking for battle. You don't go looking for the enemy to shoot darts at you. You stay away from that, but it's there for when you need it. It's there for when you need it. The guardrails, you put the guardrails in place to keep you from going into those instances, to going into those those scenarios that are so tempting that it's going to cause you to stumble and to fall. Um, Go back over here. Because here's the thing, here's the thing, is that God is serious about your holiness. God is serious about your relationship with him. When you have allowed sin to take over, when you have allowed sin to overcome you, it puts a barrier between you and God. It puts a barrier where your relationship, you're not relating to him the way that you should because you have this thing that is coming between you and God. God doesn't want that. God wants you to stand firm in temptation. God wants you to stand firm through trials. So here's the the awesome, really, the other really awesome thing, is that God is a God of gifts. Okay, now, hold on to that thought with me. God is a God of gifts. Sometimes we are gonna fail in this life and we need something better than what we have, okay? 
God is our Heavenly Father, and He gives us good gifts. He gives us good gifts. I know, back, back when I was younger, um, I always liked pocket knives. I always liked blades. I always liked to have that, you know, just that thing in your pocket you can whip out, and you can use it if you need to, and you can, you know, cut a piece of paper or cut a string off your pants or whatever. I always loved having blades and whittling, you know, little sticks, little spears. I don't know if any of you have ever done that as a kid. I love doing that. Um, I got my first pocket knife when I was probably about six years old, and my parents gave it to me, and they said, okay, this is how you use it. These are the safe ways to use it. These are the ways you're supposed to use it. Don't bring it out in front of your friends. Don't let them know you have it. You know, all those different things you can only carry at certain times. And so they gave me my pocket knife, and I loved it. But the thing is, is that sometimes I would forget it. I would, I would forget my pocket knife and leave it at home. And so what I'd have to do is I'd say, oh, Dad, I need your help. I got a string on my pants, or I need you to cut something. I don't have my pocket knife. Do you have your pocket knife with you? And his famous words were always, do I have my pants on? (laughs) To this day, he's actually sitting in this room right now. He would tell you, if you asked him, he said, you got your pocket knife with you? He'd say, do I got my pants on? Okay, yeah, you got your pocket knife. And so when I didn't have mine, I would use his. Now, the cool thing about using his is his was always better than mine. I don't know why. I might have a more expensive knife than his. I don't, but his was always just better. It was just better. It didn't matter what kind of knife I had. It was always better, and I loved using it. It was always sharper. It was always cleaner. It was always better, and it did the job right when I needed it. It did the job right when I needed it. My dad would give his knife to me as a gift for me to use. God gives us gifts in this life. Hold on to that thought. We're going to go a little bit further. In James, um, verse one, 16, cha- uh, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 16, it says this. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Our Heavenly Father gives us gifts in this life. He gives us things for us to use so that we can be better, so that we can mature as Christians. The gift that he has given us is his armor. The gift that he has given us is his armor. We're going to put up on the screen a really cool verse. It's, it's Isaiah 59, 17. Now, The imagery that Paul is using in the armor of God is of this Roman soldier. But there's something else that had to be ringing true in the back of his mind because he knew the scriptures. He knew what the prophets said. He knew what was in in all of scripture. This more than likely was ringing true in his mind. And it's this, it says, He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for for clothing and he wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. This is talking about God. This is a prophecy of God and what he's going to do for his people, for the nation of Israel and one day his church. This is God that, that is being talked about. 
God has this armor that he is wearing, and he gives this very same armor to us to use in battle. It's not your armor. It's not your shield. It's God's. It's not my belt of truth that I wear when doing battle. It's God's belt of truth. See, my, my belt of truth is this. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I don't know everything. I don't know all the differences between truth and what's lie. I don't have all the information in my mind to help me to navigate through this life. But God does. And he lets me wear his belt of truth. I don't have... I, it's not my breastplate of righteousness that I wear when I go into battle. In Scripture, it says, your righteousness is like filthy rags. I don't want to wear a filthy rag going into battle that's supposed to protect all my vital organs and to keep me alive. It's the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness, and that is the righteousness that I, as I, that I wear as I go into battle and I do spiritual warfare. It's God's. It's not my shoes of peace that I wear into battle. The shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. The greatest good news I have is nothing in comparison to the good news of Jesus Christ and his salvation. What good, what good news do I have? Stocks are up. Okay. Our economy's doing pretty good. Okay. NC State beat Duke a few weeks ago in basketball. That's pretty good if you're a state fan. In the rivalries between state and, and Duke and but what does that have to do with the good news of Jesus Christ? I just went full-time here at this church. That's awesome. That's great news for me, and I hope that's great news for you too. But what does that have, how does that compare to the good news of the gospel? It's God's shoes of the gospel of peace. And it's God's shield of faith that you are to carry into battle. My shield of faith looks like this little Nerf shield. That's not going to do a hill of beans if I go out here and someone tries to shoot me up. It's going to go right through. It worked great for the Nerf battle, but it's a different kind of warfare that we're doing as Christians. They're not little Nerf darts that are being shot at you. It's flaming darts from the evil one, from our enemy. And only God's shield can protect you in battle. So when you are walking through various trials of, of different kinds, when you are, are going through temptations, it's not about how strong your faith is. It's not about how strong or how good your armor is. It's about how strong the armor of God is, the armor that he has given you to wear. And you rely on him. You rely on his strength that he has given you. My faith is weak. My faith doubts. You think about Peter when he was walking on the water and Jesus called him out and, and, and then, you know, they're, they're in the boat and they see Jesus walking on the water and they're all scared and they think it's a ghost. And Peter says, if this is the Lord, if this is you, Jesus, then call me to come out of the boat and walk to you. And he said, well, come to me. And Peter said, okay, and he gets out and he starts walking and he's doing this thing where he's walking on water. Wow, that's awesome. That's probably never happened before. And he is walking on water, and then he realizes that I'm not supposed to be doing this. 
And he looks around and he sees the wind and the waves coming at him. And he sees everything else and he begins to sink because his faith was not strong enough. My faith is going to cause me to sink every time. And I would say yours probably will too. But we have a greater faith. We have the faith that God has given us. And we can trust in that. We can trust in that. Um, <clears throat> I want to I wanna share with you a story just, just to close. Um, I don't have the, the clock. Okay. I want to share with you a story. It's, it's about a, a, a guy that I know that he did, um, he did ministry with us, with me and Heather, when we were at another church. And it was a church that he was a part of this church plant, and we were a part of another church, and we're trying to combine the two churches together uh, to kind of have like a, um, almost you say like a marriage between the churches. And that's what, that's what we were working for. And so he was part of this other church plant. And it was really cool to see him progress with his walk with Christ. Because at the, the point when they started, first started worshiping with us, he had just started coming to this church. And he was a guy that, in his testimony, he would tell you this, that, you know, he, success was a really important thing to him. And he valued success. And that's what he went after. Power was a very important thing to him. And that's what he went after. But he realized he was missing something in Jesus Christ. He realized he was missing salvation, and he got saved, and it was an awesome thing. And we got to be a part of the baptism, and we got to see him be baptized and see him commit his life to following Christ. It was an amazing thing. And then we got to see him, um, we got to see him get, get married to his wife. I say we got to see him through Facebook. You know, you can see anything on Facebook, and it, it, you're counted as being there, right? But... He, he got married uh, to his girlfriend of that time. It was just an amazing thing. And just to see how God was using them, and they were just this couple. You know, you see couples, you're like, that's just the perfect couple. That's just, I mean, that's just amazing. You know, God is going to use them, and it's something so awesome. And then she got pregnant, and she, um, they went into labor. <sighs> she died. She died. And I was hoping I'd be able to do this without <laughs> shedding any tears. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if my faith would stand if that were to happen to me. But I do know this. God's faith stands. And to see this guy, Preston, and to see him walk through this and the hope that he had in Jesus Christ and the hope that he, the hope, the hope that he held on to in Jesus Christ, he was able to walk through this amazingly. And through this whole period, he led people to Christ. The nurses that were a part of the, um, at the hospital, seeing him go through this, started going to church with him. Just the people that he ministered to and just allowed the light of Jesus Christ to shine through him was amazing. Now to this day, Preston is doing well. 
He is doing good. He struggles. I read a blog post of his, um, I guess a few weeks ago. Um, he says, it's hard to get up in the morning. It's, it's, it's hard to face the day. And there is sorrow that, that hits you. But God is, God is good. God is good. And God is the one carrying me through this. And I'm going to cling, cling on to his hope. And my faith is going to be strong because I'm trusting in him. Now, in that, his wife passed away, but his daughter didn't. And he has a, he has a new little girl who is precious. And we have a picture that I'm just going to show. This is, this is Preston. <laughs> he, um, he likes to travel. He likes to take his, his daughter different places and just show her the world and show her what all is out there. He's going to be a great dad to this little girl. And it's amazing. Sorry, and I'll get myself together here in a minute. <laughs> I was hoping this wouldn't happen. But that is an amazing testimony of the shield of faith. I can't think of anything better to look at than, than that story right there. That is the same shield that we carry, that we can carry. But the thing is, you have to pick it up. You have to pick it up. You have to bring it into battle with you. Don't leave your shield at home. Don't leave your armor at home. Bring it with you into battle. It's not yours, it's God's. And it's a gift of God. And it's a gift that we can't manufacture on our own. But God can. God can. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I think our praise band is going to come up. <clears throat>